0: Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. In this podcast, I share my analysis of each scene in the Warner Brothers movies that are part of the DC Films Justice League universe. I love the depth of meaning in these films, and I love discussing them with other fans. This episode focuses on Scene 2 in Batman v Superman, which is a new perspective on the Kryptonian invasion from Man of Steel. When I saw Batman v Superman in theaters, I loved both of the opening scenes, and it pulled me right into the movie. Other people, however, criticized the very existence of both of the first two scenes. So I imagine this changed their mindset for the rest of what they saw. People said that the opening scene with the Waynes murder was unnecessary because we've seen it before. But as I argued in episode one, it would not make sense to have an entire Justice League universe and not show the Waynes murder. Besides... They didn't actually show the full origin of Bruce becoming Batman. They just showed the murder scene because this was central to the start of Bruce's character arc and Martha's death came back in a big way later on in the movie. So we had to have the Waynes' murder in Batman v Superman. But also, people said the movie didn't need to include the Battle of Metropolis, a.k.a. the Black Zero event, because we already saw this in Man of Steel. I disagree. I think we did need to include it in Batman v Superman. Because in Batman v Superman, we weren't just shown the same events again. We were shown the events from a new perspective. We saw what it looked like for people down on the ground. Most importantly, we saw how Bruce Wayne was reacting to the event. He consistently moved toward the danger, expecting or at least hoping that he'd be able to do something about it. I think this is, on a larger scale, the same as his father Thomas clenching his fist and moving toward the robber. Bruce is angry rather than afraid and is determined to do something to help. His movements toward the danger took three phases. He flew in a helicopter over the harbor from Gotham to its sister city metropolis, he drove in a jeep into the wreckage, and then finally there was the epic and heartbreaking shot of him running toward the dust and debris while everyone else was running away. I think this shot, running into the dust cloud, is the most important shot in the scene. At the beginning of the shot, Bruce is still thinking he'll somehow find a way to help. But just before he hits the debris cloud, his shoulders slump, and he realizes that this is way more than he can handle. It's a feeling of utter powerlessness, and I think this is what pushes Bruce over the edge. He can't accept yet another failure, and this one is not only a single failure, but the beginning of a new era, an era of Superman and superhuman beings that is well above his capabilities as Batman. Imagine someone who has been working to fight crime and make his city a better place for 18 years, and who has suffered loss, and nothing he does will actually bring his parents back. And right during this moment of doubt and self-crisis, it's literally thrown in his face that he can't save his employees, he can't stop a falling skyscraper, and he can't contend with superpowered aliens. I think powerlessness is the key idea to keep in mind with regard to Bruce's psychology. The Battle of Metropolis pushes Bruce over the edge, and now he basically becomes fixated on a single goal, taking down Superman. But not taking down Superman just because he's a potential threat in the future. He needs to take down Superman to prove to himself that he can, to exert a sense of power again to redeem his self-esteem. As we'll see in future scenes, he abandons some of his core principles in his efforts to achieve this goal he becomes fixated in an unhealthy way on superman and he forms rationalizations to try to convince himself and others namely alfred as to why he's so hell-bent on taking down superman and bruce's rationalizations aren't all that crazy he of course feels a sense of revenge towards superman because of the deaths of jack and other employees as well as the orphaning of this little girl from the end of the scene Bruce also makes some sense when he talks about the potential future threat of Superman if Superman were to ever turn bad. In this scene, in Metropolis, we clearly see Bruce's anger directed towards Superman. And on the surface, I think a lot of the audience can take this to be Bruce's motivation for trying to kill Superman. Bruce is angry about what happened in Metropolis and what happened to Wayne Financial. But I think the deeper thing that is going on is that Bruce is unwilling to accept his relative powerlessness compared to Superman. Accepting his powerlessness would be like accepting the death of his parents, and that's something he's not yet ready to do. But over the course of the movie, his character arc might allow him to eventually achieve this peace of mind. Okay, backing off the psychological analysis for a second, and going through some of the more functional aspects of this scene... The destruction looked amazingly synchronized with Man of Steel, at least from what I could tell in my theater viewings. And all of the destruction also looked very realistic. I thought it was wise for the filmmakers to connect us with one of the people in the Wayne Financial Building. Bruce's interactions with Jack made things feel much more immediate, less abstract. And it also implied a history between Bruce and his employees that made this feel more like a real event and a tragedy affecting real people. The character of Jack also allowed for the writers to insert the line, Heavenly God, creator of heaven and earth, have mercy on my soul, which connects to the ideas of heaven and hell, good and evil, that run throughout the movie. This scene also obviously gives us the introduction of the character of Wallace Keefe. The Wallace Keefe subplot is probably the most straightforward aspect of the movie, because I think his motivations and actions are pretty much obvious to everyone. In fact, I kind of think the Wallace subplot doesn't fit in perfectly with the main plot and themes of the movie because he's almost too straightforward and transparent, whereas other characters in the other actions are more subtle and have more depth and nuance to them. But maybe I'll see some more subtlety as I go through each of the scenes individually. Anyway, in addition to his crippling here in this scene, we also see how Bruce interacts with employees, which is in a respectful and down-to-earth manner. This is essentially a save-the-cat moment that allows the audience to connect with and build affection for Bruce Wayne. And by the way, if you don't know what save-the-cat refers to in filmmaking, I encourage you to look it up. Once you learn about it, you start to see it everywhere. I thought this was clever of the filmmakers to have Bruce save the cat, because he is largely a villain in this movie. But a villain who we don't realize is a villain because it's always the hero who saves the cat. If you're surprised to hear me say that Bruce is pretty much a villain, just think about the fact that Bruce's goal of taking down Superman, and the way that he wants to take down Superman, is almost exactly the same as Lex Luthor's plan. To the extent that Bruce is acting of his own volition, he's a villain. But of course, he's not in his right mind, so he can't be completely blamed for it, and part of it is also Lex's manipulation using Bruce as a tool. But with this scene and others, I think the filmmakers are playing out Bruce in a complex way where one can really see it both ways, that he's a villain or that he's a hero. On the hero side of things, many fans have noted that Bruce managed to directly save two people in this Metropolis scene. He helped free Wally, and he also scooped up the little girl before she got crushed. People use this to get some more digs in on Superman from Man of Steel, implying that Superman should have saved more people. It's an unfair comparison, though, because Superman had to take on the world engine and Zod directly, and Superman had the entire fate of the world in his hands. And he managed to save the entire world, by the way. Bruce had the luxury of just trying to help out whoever he could in his immediate proximity. Don't get me wrong, I I give Bruce credit for his efforts in the battle zone, but it's pretty marginal compared to what Superman was able to accomplish. And Bruce's efforts would have been for nothing if Superman had failed on his side of things. The power difference between Bruce and Superman was probably most clear when Bruce was saving the little girl, which is good for Bruce, but then Bruce looked up to see the large-scale destruction that someone with Superman's power was capable of inflicting. There's just no comparison. And speaking of the little girl... That rescue actually happened to be the exact scene that I saw them filming in Detroit back in the summer of 2014. You can check out on YouTube the on-set footage that I took of Ben Affleck and his stunt double running that rescue scene with the little girl. Another important thing to keep in mind throughout this entire scene is that the audience knows more information than the characters in Metropolis do, including Bruce. The citizens of Metropolis see an alien ship slamming its gravity weapon at ground zero but they don't know all the dynamics that have occurred between Superman and Zod, and they don't know Zod's full plan to terraform Earth completely. The citizens of Metropolis also have no idea in the moment that the reason the gravity weapon stopped was because Superman took care of business on the other side of the world. They don't know that they should already be thanking Superman for that part of the effort to stop Zod. Instead, they might still be thinking that Superman is part of all the destruction. After the Kryptonians are pulled back into the Phantom Zone, the citizens of Metropolis see Zod and Superman fighting and eventually crashing back down to the city with the satellite wreckage. We, the audience, know that Superman is heroically attempting to stop the murderous Zod, but the citizens of Metropolis just see two Kryptonians battling each other and causing destruction. It would be easy, at least at that moment, to have anger and resentment toward both of them. After the actual battle, though, most of the citizens of Metropolis come to realize that Superman was the hero who saved the world. In the tie-in novel, called Crossfire, we learn that Superman helped for weeks with the cleanup and rescue efforts in Metropolis. They eventually constructed a monument to Superman as their hero. But Bruce had already made up his mind right away during the breaking point, his breaking point in the Battle of Metropolis. He was not won over by Superman after the fact, For all the reasons I mentioned before, plus the extra potent fact that the little girl he saved was now an orphan just like Bruce himself. It was yet another mother that he was powerless to save. As a note for later, the distinction between what we, the audience, know and what the people in the movie universe know becomes important again when Superman recovers in space and heals after the nuclear blast. We see him recover from a pretty damaged state of being. But the people in the movie universe don't have that knowledge, and so they think about Superman's death as a more permanent situation than perhaps we, the audience, do. Now, four quick final thoughts on this scene. First is a small detail, the riderless horse that passes in front of Bruce in the dust cloud. I took this to be a heartfelt tribute to the fallen soldiers and fallen officers, like is used in memorial parades in the real world. One thing I appreciate about Batman v Superman, and especially Man of Steel, is that they treat the armed forces with respect. The armed forces are competent, if sometimes outmatched, and they are not being replaced by superheroes such as Superman, but are instead working together. With regard to the horse, though, I also noticed that horses show up at least a few more times in this movie, so we can keep an eye out for any important connections between those scenes. Second, I liked the jeep driving scene because it was like a tease. It was uh, obviously not a Batmobile chase scene, so it was some compelling action, but we knew something even better would come at some later point in the movie. We were eventually going to get a Batmobile chase scene. Third, I think another important reason to include this alternative point of view on the Battle of Metropolis is to remind us that the scout ship crash-landed in the heart of Metropolis. That, of course, becomes very important to the plot later on, and astute viewers of Man of Steel will remember that the scout ship contains a Genesis Chamber and that Zod was the last Kryptonian to command the ship. And fourth, this scene shows the approach that Warner Brothers is taking in establishing their characters within the Justice League universe. Our first introduction to the adult Bruce Wayne is through his perspective on the previous movie. And this scene makes us wonder what he's going to do next, because the Battle of Metropolis was obviously an important turning point for him. This is different than just introducing us to Bruce and Batman on his own terms, and then later pushing him next to Superman and other characters. Warner Brothers has decided to have each character organically lead us to the next character, and after we meet them and see how they relate to the current plot, we are led to wonder about their origin or what they'll do next. Personally, I love this approach, as it feels more like the real world, where everything is dynamically connected, and you learn about someone's origin only after you've met them, and have some kind of reason to care about them. It also helps the new movies to add to the depth of previous movies. For example, if this had been a separate Batman film, it would have added just about nothing to Man of Steel. But by looking at Bruce in relation to the events of Man of Steel... And then following both of those characters forward, the two movies become an inseparable pair, with the later movie adding even more nuance to the first. So, that wraps it up for scene two, the Battle of Metropolis. Next up, we go across the globe to see some kryptonite, and then turn toward Lois and Superman with the African incident. To close this episode, I give my acknowledgments to the inspirations for this podcast, the Mosaic Podcast from ManOfSteelAnswers.com and The Suicide Squadcast from SuicideSquadcast.Libsyn.com Thanks for listening and feel free to share your thoughts in the comments.